It's a Madden Monday from under the stands at PPG Paints Arena. Mark Madden, Tim Benz with you here on Trib Live. Mark, you can hear on your home for the pens, 105.9 The X, Monday through Friday, 3 until 6. You can read them here at Trib Live as well. We are in person after the Penguins beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 7-3. to um, It's been a while since I've been under the bleachers with anybody, Mark. I was here with Janice Soprano. <laughs> Remember that episode? No. Oh, where uh, Tony... Beat up Bobby Bacala. No, Bobby Bacala beat up Tony because Tony made uh, off-color comments about Janice's youth. Under the boardwalk, Janice was blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's a reference to the past. I want to get to some references from Cocaine Bear in a little bit if you saw it, if you have your movie review ready to go. But uh, let's go back and review the Penguins and Lightning, first of all. It's like the polar opposite of what we saw, I think, the last time we spoke here anyway, which was after Connor McDavid and Edmonton put on a show against the Pens. Yeah, the Penguins had that five-goal burst in, what was it, four minutes and something? Yeah. Uh, by the way, the, the record for fastest five goals by one team is held by the Penguins in 1972. Uh, I forget the exact uh, time. It was two minutes and something. I was there at the Civic Arena, and Ron Hextall's dad, Brian Hextall, was one of the scorers. So that uh, brought back some memories. But yeah, I wouldn't say the Penguins played exceptionally, except for that burst. I thought a big moment was when Gino came out of the box when the Penguins were trailing 2-1 to and buried that breakaway. I think Gino has been, uh, if not their very best player, certainly one of their best players over the entire season, and even more so over the past three or four weeks, and especially when the Penguins have struggled. So I give Evgeny Malkin a lot of credit for uh, this kind of mini turnaround uh, the team's had over the weekend. I I think when you score a lot of goals like this, like I uh, asked Mike Sullivan after the game, a lot of it's cumulative. You know, you generate opportunities, opportunities. You didn't have much luck in St. Louis. You get a lot of luck against Tampa Bay tonight. So I I think the seven goals were well-earned. We talk often about good players when they get into scoring slumps. It just takes one to get them going. When we talk about guys like Carter and Bluger, um, is it the same thing with them? I mean, they're not scorers at this stage in their career for Carter or Bluger for who he is. Like, do they get rolling after something like this, O'Connor, or is this just, hey, you got a goal? No, they don't get rolling. Uh, No, they're the same players they were. And in... uh Carter's case, like you said, or implied, he's in decline a bit. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's good to see them get goals. But does it lead to a lot bigger and better? Does this mean the bottom six has solved their problems? No, it hardly means that. Although, I like O'Connor pretty much every game he plays. I mean, he's never going to score a bunch of goals. But I think he works hard, plays physical, goes to the net, and got rewarded for it tonight. Are you surprised to see Kapanen get picked up by St. Louis? Amazed. I'm not sure I can find words. Uh, but it goes to show when you're a number one talent, excuse me, a first round draft pick, you're going to get, you know, a lot of chances just based on somebody thinks that talent's still there. That's why Hextall signed him. And now St. Louis thinks they can get out of him what everybody else couldn't here in Toronto, anywhere else he's been. Well, maybe they will. I mean, I'd bet against it, whatever you cared to bet. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, some guys just find a place to play where it works, and maybe for Cappy that'll be St. Louis, although, I, again, I would bet against it. What does this win, the win against St. Louis, does that change the outlook, the thinking for Ron Hextall at all, do you believe? I'd have to know what he was thinking at any point during his tenure as <laughs> Penguins GM for me to say that. Uh, people talk about this, uh, you know, Rossi reported that potential Jacob Chikrin deal, the Arizona defenseman who has two years left on a contract 
that is only a $4.6 million cap hit. And he's pretty good, and he's only 24. In a vacuum, I would trade what's been requested, which reportedly is two first-round picks, and Brian Dumlin is a, a sort of a cap make-weight. But, uh, but we're not in a vacuum, and I don't know if that trade helps enough. Then again, you're not just looking for it to help this year if it helps you know, through the next two years, too, you know, the length of his contract. Here's what would be a tiebreaker for me. If I could go to Jacob Chikrin's agent and say, okay, we want to trade for your client. Will he add three more years at, let's say, 5.2 or something, you know, not, yeah. not egregiously above what he's already making? Then I would go ahead and make that deal. You'd have to wait, though, right, because it's two more years after this one. You can't re-up until you're a year removed from free agency. So you'd have to wait through the first year to do that. Yeah, but you can informally make that deal. Then again, there's that doesn't say they'd have to stick to it either. So I I probably wouldn't make the deal because I don't think it'll help enough. And I don't think it'll help enough next year or the year after either. For a first-round pick, I'd consider it. For two, I wouldn't. Look at Timo Meyer. He went from San Jose to New Jersey and they gave up one first-round pick, another conditional first-round pick, and they gave up some prospects, but they didn't give up, but what's the guy's name, Dawson Mercer? Yeah. Their number one prospect, they didn't have to give him up. That shocked me. I can't believe they made that deal without having to give that guy up. I think when you look at where the Devils are, it's, and this isn't quite the same kind of player, but that kind of feel like what the Penguins did the first time they went out and either got, well, maybe if they got, when they got Hosa. Well, he ain't Hosa. Yeah. But, um, the Devils now remind me of the Penguins in in 06, 07, for sure. But I, but I don't think they'll get any further this year than the Penguins did. Well, they might. I mean, getting Meyer might make them the favorite to beat the Rangers in the first round. I think the Rangers are going to do what the Penguins did in 2013 and tweak too much. They got Tarasenko, and now they're talking about Kane, too. They don't need Kane. They just don't. They, I know that they got VC playing on the top two lines, and Kane would step in there. I would advise them not to overthink this. Mark Patrick Marlowe got his number retired in San Jose. When's that happening here? <laughs> I think they retired it the minute he got here. <laughs> or, or, you know, whatever I could say insultingly to reflect how little impact he had here. You, you know, Tim, I hate when crappy franchises that have never won retire somebody's number just so they can, you know, have a ceremony and, you know, yank the number up to the rafters like, like, like uh, San Jose with Marlowe and even more egregiously bad, Ottawa with Chris Neal. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris Neal couldn't have made the Penguins during their uh, three cup years that, that spanned his career. 09, 16, 17, he can't make the team. And yet he got his number retired by Ottawa. See, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury after their game today in Minnesota where Kaprasov got the hat trick, he actually made some Sid comparisons to him. In terms of style, approach, the way he plays, the way he's built. Kaprasov? Yeah. Eh, incorrect. I mean, he's pretty good, but he ain't 30, He's got 37 now, yeah. Yeah, good for him. Let's see if he ever wins. Let's see if he does that in big games. That might just be Flurry pumping the tires of his teammate. I mean, I, I get it from the stature standpoint, but he's not Crosby. I'm curious to see what Mark does at the end of this year because clearly he's being supplanted by Philip Gustafson. Yeah, how ironic is that? Yeah. yeah, as the number one in Minnesota. And, and I know people think, you know, he should come back here. I, I don't think he wants to. Uh, he just doesn't, doesn't want to retread old turf or what? I think he might feel hard done by by the way, you know, the, the, the coach and the way he was used, you know, putting Murray back in, in in 17. But how can that be criticized when it worked? Do you think the goalie for next year is currently on this team? The Penguins? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they're going to re-up Jari. You do? Yeah, I, I'm not sure I endorse it. And I think that 
that could either change or be reaffirmed in what happens between now and season's end. But, uh, yeah, I think he comes back. Mark, let's look at some other topics. Football, there's a report out that the NFL might make roughing the passer reviewable, akin to when they made pass interference reviewable. I don't think it's going to make a difference. In my point of view, they want those penalty calls. That's what a lot of people don't understand. They're acting like the refs are blowing calls. In a lot of cases, they're not. Uh, in fact, the league backs them up when they make these calls. Well, anytime you make a, a uh, judgment call reviewable, it doesn't work. It didn't work with pass interference. It won't work with this. I think it's a waste of time. It's like, what do they call that? Hip lock tackle or? Oh, the hip drop. Yeah, it'll be the same with that. If they make that illegal, it'll be just stupid and they won't do it next year. What are you making of some of these uh, conversations about baseball and hockey with the regional sports networks? What do you think is going to happen there? Well, I plan on buying AT&T Sportsnet and restarting it as the Dan Potash Sports Network. Oh, that's a billion-dollar industry just waiting to happen. Uh a million really bad jokes just are cascading through my head, but I but I do like Dan. Um, I, I don't know. I mean that. I mean I don't think it's going to affect the Penguins because you know their season's almost over. I think AT and T will probably operate through the end of the season, uh, and I think the Penguins have probably already been paid for this season. Correct? From what I understand, yeah. They, are, they have been paid, and I think that the deal is going to be okay through the regular season. It's if they are in the playoffs. From what I understand, like these regional sports networks, at least the Warner Brothers ones, are basically going to the leagues and saying, you can take the rights and do with it whatever you want. Just don't sue us. <laughs> so I don't know what that means for the playoffs, at least the first round before it goes to network. I think it affects the Pirates probably gratuitously, and you know they would have to find a new TV deal. What I would suspect that either club would be likely to do would be to start their own, uh, I don't know about a sports network, but just produce and sell the ad revenue for the yeah. broadcast themselves and then and then you know farm the games out to whatever network like maybe i don't know w, what's the wpnt the pointer the pointer cw or upn or something like that yeah, yeah some some local network maybe even a network network locally you know so i don't think it's going to turn out to be a gratuitous problem if i'm not mistaken the pirates were getting crap for their rights anyway so this might actually turn out to be a good thing for them. Well, strangely, and where it might help them is FSG has some familiarity in this because John Henry is 80% of Nesson, which produces the games for uh, the Red Sox, and that's where the Bruins are too. See, it was always my understanding the reason FSG was trying to acquire so many sports teams, you know, first the Red Sox, then Liverpool Football Club, then uh, the Penguins, and you, know, hear, you hear rumors about an expansion NBA team in Las Vegas or maybe the Washington Commanders too was to be able to have enough uh, product to have their own network, like the Yankees network. Like, you know, Nesson's not truly that. Nesson's not owned by the team. Yeah. So I, I thought that was their intent, so maybe this kind of jumpstarts that. Yeah, I, I don't know. There was all that conversation. Remember, like, Mario wanted to, there's some talk that Mario would try to buy the Pirates and make that into what we're talking about now, a regional sports network. And it didn't happen then, but now it might happen with the new owners. I can tell you for a fact Mario didn't talk about that. He, no, I know he didn't. He didn't, yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, Mario made, I think, one... Or maybe Mr. Burkle did, made one call about the Pirates, and that was it. Finally, Mark, Cocaine Bear, did you see it? Yes, I did. It's, uh, How many Oscars will it win? I don't know about Oscars, uh, but I was blown away. Get it? Uh, I thought it was really good. I mean, you know, all hype aside and me hyping it prior aside, too. Uh, it, it, Sean Collier from, on the DV Morning Show put it best. It's one of the few movies he's seen in recent memory that delivered exactly what he expected. And he meant that in a good way. Uh, Ray Liotta was just wonderful. In a way, I mean, it's a schlocky, it's not a B-movie, but it's, it's kind of a, an, 
A-League parody of a B-movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, you've got... It's a B-movie concept with some A-League stars. Yeah, and I think it's in on its own joke, and it's very well shot, too. I mean, kudos to the uh, director, Elizabeth Banks, for the job she did. But uh, I I loved it. And, uh, and, And I won't give the ending away, but the bear becomes somewhat of a sympathetic figure at the end, even as he killed like a dozen people. Well, that's what happened in, like, Orca, right? The, the whale movie. Uh, what other examples? Well, not Piranha. Piranha was a B-movie that stayed a B-movie. And not Jaws, either. The shark no. never really went babyface. <laughs> yeah. Mark Madden, he's on Monday through Friday, 105.9 The X. Listen to him three until six on The X. And you can read him four times a week right here at Trib Live.